The Hazy Podcast is brought to you by EK the DJ and Michael Reed. Join them each season as they discuss the adventures contained in various audiobooks. This season, they'll be providing reactionary commentary on the So I Got Hazed audiobook by Michael Reed. Chapter 8. Getting Around September 21st, Roommate Mediation Meeting It was a happy day for both Ethan and I when our mediation meeting finally came. Our relationship had completely withered away since he had stolen my change. The mediation meeting was held in Gina's room. Gina sat against her window, Ethan on her bed, and I sat in her computer chair. Gina asked us each to explain what had happened and what we wanted to do to resolve the situation. Ethan was quiet, but he had to go first. He said that he didn't have a problem with me, and he had apologized for stealing my change. He wanted to move on, but understood if I wanted a new roommate. When it was my turn to speak, I put on the performance of a lifetime. I told Gina that I didn't want a roommate that stole from me. Once the trust relationship was broken between us, there was no mending it. Ethan had shown that he was a thief, and you can't trust liars or thieves. I didn't like him from the moment I had met him, and when he stole from me, it was the icing on the cake. According to policy, I didn't have to room with him anymore. Gina said that although I had a case for a new roommate, there weren't any more free rooms. She said that it would be impossible for us to get two people that wanted to switch rooms a month into the semester. She said that I probably wouldn't be able to switch rooms because there wasn't anyone lined up. Gina hated me, so she took such joy in telling me that there wouldn't be any rooms available for me to switch into. Her name was Gina. Well, that's the name that I have to use. Her name. That's not an appropriate name to use for her because, like, that name is so. I don't know why. If every Gina I've ever met has been really aggressive and, like, and angry. She was definitely the more aggressive of the RAs. That's when I said that I had already talked to Paul Knox and he would switch rooms with Ethan if it was okay. Gina said that it seemed very coincidental that I wanted Paul as my new roommate and that I was trying to push Ethan out. This allowed me to make her feel awful. I said how dare she insinuate that I could somehow get Ethan to steal from me to get him replaced as my roommate. Not only did that make no sense at all, how could I convince my roommate to steal from me on his own volition? Paul being lined up was the benefit of being a social butterfly and making friends early on in the semester. By the end of the meeting, Gina said if there wasn't any other solution, she would talk to Paul Knox and his roommate. I said that there wasn't any other solution I would agree to. She walked to Paul's room right away. She talked to Paul and his roommate and came back. She told us that we could move rooms and we could do it in a week. She was pissed. That's a pretty short turnaround time though. Like a week is not a very long time before being able to switch rooms. True, but just think about that. That's 140 hours of chances for me to want to kill Ethan. So I think it was probably in his best interest that we switch as well. Yeah, it's just weird. Like the quickness of it all is just surprising to me. Like to be able to do that in a week. I agree. I mean, realistically, you could do it in a night, right? And then it's just some administrative work behind it. 
September 24th, Gang-Style Mattress Murder I was hanging out in my dorm room when John came over with Evan. They told me I should come see something in their room. I followed them over to their room. They had a huge knife that they were using to cut and stab their sweetmate's mattress. When I say a huge knife, I mean like something out of Counter-Strike, like an unrealistic knife that you can't even put in like a knife holster. The thing was like a katana. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Exactly. I immediately asked, what the fuck are you doing here? Evan laughed. Don't worry, Jackson's moving out and he's getting a new, softer mattress. He said we could wreak havoc on this one. Where is Jackson? He'll be right back, John said, with such confidence I had to believe him. Seriously? Okay. I took the knife from Evan and stabbed the mattress. It was awesome, because I had never stabbed a mattress before. I cut and stabbed it a few more times. Then I gave the knife back to Evan. Okay, I'm done. John and Evan took turns stabbing the bed some more. After we were done, we all went back over to their room. Then they told me they lied to me, and that Jackson wasn't moving out. Evan said, he isn't getting a new mattress either. What the fuck, I said. They had tricked me. Well, he needs a new mattress now, John laughed. I've participated in a lot of mean things in my life, but that was one of the ones that I actually felt terrible about. Because I was like, come on guys, this is somebody's bed. Yeah, my, my, I think my bed got stabbed to death by uh, <laughs> a sword, a sword cane. What the fuck is wrong with people in Radford? Is this just like a common happenstance? Things happen. Things happen. Beds get shanked to death. Apparently. I don't even water, know. Gallons of water get dumped on people's beds. Dude, that uh, happened to me like a couple of years ago. <laughs> Shit doesn't change. And like, you got to replace your mattress if someone dumps a gallon of water on your bed because, like, by the time it dries out, like it, your mattress smells like mildew and like. I'm gonna so good. I'm gonna break into a side story here. So a couple of years ago, I was living with a bunch of guys. It was a meathead headquarters. And I was the Capitan. <laughs> and one of them was taking a shower. And I can't remember what he did earlier in the day. I'm pretty sure I was like eating something out of a styrofoam container. And he knocked it out of my hand. And the wind blew the food all away. And I was pissed. So later in the day, I take this huge jug of milk while he's taking a shower. And I toss it over the shower. <laughs> and just, and I mean, ineffective, right? Because you're in a shower. It's only really going to bother you for a couple minutes. So then later that night, I'm having sex with the girl, and he has a Gatorade jug that we're using on the oil rigs that we fill up every day with water, usually from the bathtub because you can't put a huge Gatorade jug under the sink. I mean, like uh -huh. you can fix some things or whatever. So he goes and he fills it up upstairs. He comes down while we're having sex, and he tosses that shit on both of us. I chased uh -huh. him naked through the fucking house by my other roommate who's sitting watching TV and I just start feeding him in on the fucking stairs. But then I realize that I'm naked. So I don't want to engage in any sort of combat. I got my man to worry about and I got a chick in my bed. So, and, and my roommate sitting watching this all happen. 
So slowly my dick is starting to go more flaccid and more flaccid to the point where he says, you fuck with that thing? And I was so pissed off that I'm like, all right, I'm going to get him back. So I went back to the room, took the mattress off, kept having sex with the girl. Later on in the night, I got a Gatorade jug, waited until he was asleep and threw that shit on him, but it did ruin his bed. So his bed was entirely ruined and mine was fine. And uh, he moved out a week later. Well done. September 25th, a little lonely. I was a little lonely and went knocking on Tara's door. I tried to sleep with her, but she had a boyfriend back home and she was loyal. She said that if I wanted company, I could sleep in the bed beside her, Autumn's bed. Autumn was out of town for the weekend, back at home. Tara and I talked for a bit, and I eventually fell asleep in Autumn's bed. When I woke up in the morning, I had sweat so much that the sheets were soaked. I didn't wake up Tara. Instead, I snuck back to my room, had a shower, and slid into my bed. It was a sneaky escape, and I thought I'd never get busted. When Autumn came back into town, she asked why her bed was so wet. Tara told her what happened, and Autumn yelled at me. She told me that I had to clean her sheets, so I did. It was the least I could do for a funny little story. A stupid story, but I mean, it is what it is, right? I went to go hook up with the chick. She wasn't interested. She said I could sleep in a roommate's bed. I soaked that thing with sweat because I was so drunk, and then I bailed out. And then when the roommate came back, she's like, what the fuck? Who pissed all over my bed? It's soaking. I had one um, in the wrong bed story. Uh, One time, a girl I was seeing, uh, her roommate was out of town, and we slept in her bed uh, while she was out of town. And it was was a big deal. It was a big, big, big problem. They uh they fought about it loudly. Um, How, what what was the end result? I don't remember. I just remember it being a loud argument, and I remember me like being in the room pretending not to hear them fight about it. <laughs> Meanwhile, you were definitely complicit in the entire thing. Hundred oh, percent. September 26th, scrambled schmegs. The morning after a party, our pledge class went to the fraternity house to clean up. While cleaning, Forrest came downstairs. It looked like he had been up all night. He asked, do you schmegs want to play a game? It's called scrambled schmegs. We didn't want to play, but it didn't matter. Forrest took the trash cans that we had just filled and poured them on the ground. Then he told us to pick up all the trash and put it back into the trash cans as fast as possible. We did as we were told and scrambled to get the trash cleaned up. Once the trash was all cleaned up, Forrest poured the trash all over the floor again and we repeated the process. It wasn't the worst haze. He wasn't destroying our house. It was more of an annoying but acceptable haze. Throw a bunch of garbage bins on the floor and have Schmegs scramble to clean it up. This went on for a few dumps and then he left the house. After that experience, we tried our best to take the trash cans to the dumpsters the instant they were full. How you gonna play scrambled schmegs with us now, motherfucker, when we take all the trash out as soon as we get it? You act like 
that was your idea. You act like that you guys came up with that and that you weren't manipulated into taking the trash cans out before they were full. Yeah, but he would have just kept dumping them on the ground, even if they weren't full, right? Like, so we were taking them out when they were a quarter full. And then when we saw a brother... You're basically making sure the cans were empty. True. True. So you just did better than other pledge classes, basically. Because other pledge classes were like, well, we just don't let them overflow. (laughs) Also, when we're talking about this, it goes back to what we said a few chapters ago about not wanting to own real estate in a college town. Think about all the damage to that hardwood floor that this caused every time you dump a trash can full of glass on it. Insane. And like later after college, I worked for a, I was, I was work. I did a little bit of uh, management for a a cleaning company. Uh, So I learned the proper way to maintain a hard and mop a hardwood floor. Um, And no, we did not do any favors for that house at all. And we were sweeping it. We were sweeping it with one of those like corn brooms, right? Which just scratches the floor with every sweep. Thinking about it now in my older age, it's painful. But I mean, I'm not a landlord, so fuck it. September 26th, Marioing. John found me in my room and told me that he had just gone golfing with Mitch and Trent Barrera. I said, that must have been nice, bro. I was cleaning Eric's house all day. John looked pissed. No, man. I had to be their caddy. They played a game with me that they named Marioing. This golf course had these huge pipes that looked like they were from Mario World. They were scattered all over the course, so it wasn't like they were on one hole. Every time that these fuckers saw one, I had to go into the pipe and then pretend I was teleporting to another world. After they got bored of it, They made me say, bloop, 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 and made me teleport up and down the pipes. They made me pretend to be stuck a bunch of times, too. I had to pretend the teleporter was in use or not working. It was humiliating. The things that Knowles thought were humiliating is so moderately not humiliating that it's laughable, right? I can imagine. (laughs) Excuse me. I can imagine the humiliation in the moment, like being humiliated to be the one to take part of it. But like in retrospect, how could it not be funny? That's hysterical. Yeah, that's like that is absolutely hysterical. But I understand like the humiliation in the moment, like being the one that had to go through it. Imagine being like a 50, 60 year old golfer out there. You're just a senior having the time of your life. And you see some college kid going up and down some pipe going bloop, 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 bloop. I'd be dying. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I'm with you on that one. What the hell did I do? Um, Eric has turned out the lights here. Can you still hear me? I can still hear you, but now we're sitting in darkness. September 27th, court. I had to postpone a criminal justice exam I had because I had to go to court for my alcohol charges. Since I didn't have a car and had a suspended license, I had to walk to the courthouse from campus. It took me about an hour to get there because I tried to pace myself so I didn't sweat through my dress clothes. When I got there, my lawyer was nowhere to be found. I had been up all night on Adderall studying for my exam, so I was paranoid he wasn't going to show. I just wanted the court case to be over with so I could go back to campus, take off my dress shoes, take my exam, and go to sleep. 
I was so cracked out because I was up an entire day and then I had to walk a couple miles in a dress suit and then I get there and my lawyer's not there and I'm like, this is the story of my life. This is a lawyer you were paying for. Yeah. This was a and lawyer that my dad forced me to get. One of those other expenses that I know you have the running tally on the chalkboard. So yeah, we had paid him and he was late. That's that. That's unforgivable. I don't know how many lawyers you've had for criminal proceedings, but uh, as, we, criminal proceedings. <laughs> as we start to tell more of my stories, you'll find that this is a reoccurring trend. And it doesn't matter if there's some towny lawyer or the best lawyer in the state. Lawyers are just late. Lawyers are just late. What are you going to do? Sue him? But nothing. You're going to do absolutely nothing. Be thankful Eventually, that they're late. My not a bill of an hour. Yeah, absolutely. Eventually, my lawyer showed up, and he seemed like a country boy. When my case was called up, I didn't even get to speak. My lawyer said a few words, and the judge assigned me community service and a court fee. For my first alcohol charge, I was assigned 120 hours of community service and had to pay a $66 court fee. On campus, I would most likely have to take an alcohol awareness class and pay for it as well. My second charge would be tried on November 19, 2004. The same lawyer would be representing me. However, the aiding and abetting the delinquency charge would be dropped. When I was done paying my fee, I thanked my lawyer and left. I walked back to campus with a little bit of the weight being lifted off my shoulders. Now I had one less legal issue, but one new responsibility. I had never done court-assigned community service before so I wasn't looking forward to it. I already had class, the first program, and I was pledging a fraternity. When I got back, I didn't bother changing because time was tight. I went to my criminal justice test in my court clothes. I brought my case verdict so I could prove my absence. I took my test with a different class, sitting in the front row, and killed it. The teacher posted the grades that day, and I got 100%. Like, of course I got 100%. It was a criminal justice test, and I spent the morning in court and the night studying on Adderall. You got this. <laughs> Adderall is like the mental steroid for college students. So that's all we got this week, man. So I figured out what happened 